Welcome to Galaxy Brains. The weekly podcast from Galaxy Research. Yo, the truth echoes off the walls like reverb. Every scoop that goes pop rocks a space like comets. Check how my phonics capture rings like sonic double duty when I drop it. Flow with beauty when I rip it. Never snooty when I rap it. Counting bunches when I pick it. Pull no punches when I spit it. Cause I'm different when I hit it. Bring your money when you bid it. Cause I come in jets to lift it. I got crazy bread. You could call it biscuit. You flakes can never rise. Don't you even try to risk it. Haters, close your eyes. Cause my flow is something mystic. You pretzels are too salty by the way you get it. This is just another rebel missive I'm addicted, give me things that I can fix, kid If I ever leave all my haters, they would miss me By the way, our guest is Adam Zarazinski As always, I'm your host, Alex Thorne Head of Firmwide Research at Galaxy Digital Thank you for listening to Galaxy Brains We have a great show for you today As I said, CEO of Inca Digital, Adam Zarazinski Is our guest, a blockchain and data uh, digital asset data analytics firm We'll talk with Adam about the dark web foreign scams, national security implications of crypto. It's a fascinating conversation. And we'll check in with our good friend, Bibnet Abibi from Galaxy Trading, as always, to talk markets. But before we get to all of that, I need to remind you to please refer to the link to the disclaimer in the podcast notes. And note that none of the information in this podcast constitutes investment advice or an offer, recommendation, or solicitation by Galaxy Digital or any of its affiliates to buy or sell any securities. This is a great show, so let's get right into it. Let's go now to our friend Bimnet Abibi from Galaxy Trading. As always, Bimnet, great to have you. Thanks for having me on. Hey, big day, Fed Day. Fed Day. Fed Day. Um, was it a Super Bowl no, day? No, no. It's like a wild card playoff round at best. <laughs> at best. I mean, this was like the most lackluster, yeah. uninspiring uh, FOMC I've seen in a while. Um, and I think it just goes to show you we're near the end and that. There's going to be a lot less volatility that's going to be a function of, of Fed policy. And I think the future drivers of, of markets or the, the, the next sort of big things for, for markets are, are going to be less oriented around Fed policy. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it was an exciting day. Uh, Powell, you know, basically said that, you know, they hiked rates right now because the data suggested that they should. And that going forward, they're going to be data dependent, as they always have been. Same story. Uh, same story as last yeah. time. There's very minimal changes in the statement. Yeah, it was very. He did minimal, acknowledge, right? uh, you know, the the constructive elements of, of the last, you know, CPI print, um, and that you know, if they were to see follow on, um, that that would be you know a welcome sort which, of sight, which we all know, right? Yes, correct. So it's like he's just saying he's just reiterating the same good, stuff, yeah. and then he's he still you know thinks that the the balance of risk is skewed towards not doing enough to combat combat inflation uh, rather than, you know, going uh, too hard on too hard and and hard landing. And because that stuff's reversible. And and, and we've been talking about this now for months, maybe Mm -hmm. even a year. Yeah. (laughs) Um, The hard landing, like it's just we're just not seeing it yet. Like it no, could it's still not, come, but it's oh, it's definitely unemployment's not still low. The housing market's still I high. Mean, wages are still going up. Yeah, like, I mean, we've forecasted away the recession that we had forecast. Yeah, right. And so uh, there's definitely uh, been you know stronger elements of growth, uh, but what's important about this stuff is that this growth hasn't come at the you know at the expense of high inflation. Yeah, or it, it's come at the expense of inflation as inflation has been coming down. One interesting statistic that you know I just got from Jeffrey Gunlack, famous bond investor at Doubleheim Capital, is that if you replace the owner's equivalent rent component of headline CPI with more live, accurate housing metrics, you'd be talking about headline inflation, headline, that was at zero. 
or close to it. Wow. Right? And so there are way like there are certain elements of, of the inflation story that tell you, oh, the Fed should be done right now. That, you know, monetary policy works on a lag and it's clearly working and yeah. we're getting even more restrictive now when we're seeing it working. And so it really depends on, on what your perspective is. Um, but there are just so many strange structural elements to this, like the, the current macro landscape that it makes it very difficult to like have confidence in your assessment. Yeah. Right. Is housing tight because everybody has a mortgage and supply tight. Right. Are rents going to come down? Are there structural things in the supply chain that have fundamentally altered, you know, where inflation can get to and, and where it can't, et cetera. Um, and so there are all these new, strange uh post-COVID dynamics that, you know, market participants and, and central bankers have to take into account. Right. So it's really tough to say with any confidence, you know, this is what you should do. Right. In addition, you know, I think it's worth noting that you've only just had one soft inflation number. Right, right. Right. There are right. other there are elements of weakness, but you still have the tightest labor market in history, right? And prices are still going up. They're going up at a relatively slower rate. But still higher than you'd like. Correct. Yeah. And then the other thing that's really important to note that I didn't think Powell did a great job of addressing was the easing in monetary conditions. By that, I mean stocks are at the dead highs. Yeah. Nasdaq's up 38 percent on the year. That's crazy. Right. I think you said that to me last week or the week before there was at the time it was up like 40 percent. I'm like, yeah, it moved down. So last this, week it's like what, one of the it. best stock years ever. For the Nasdaq? Yeah. Absolutely. Meanwhile, everyone has been out. It's been a wall of worry the entire time. Wall of worry. Yeah. And that the pain trade was 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 higher because everybody was worried. <laughs> it's crazy. And like now, it's like wait, like it, if stocks rip another ten percent, like I mean, everybody's gonna feel rich again. Yeah. And you know, like what what, is, what does that do to inflation? It, right. It should push it up. Yeah. People spend more. I mean, yeah. Spend more. Feel richer. Take more debt effects. out. Think that they can. Remember what people were doing at the at the. Like the twenty one manias, they were mm -hmm. mortgaging. They were mortgaging their homes, or they were borrowing. They're buying like Dogecoin, using their stock portfolio as collateral. I mean, like at two and three were, quarters interest rates, yeah. I borrow as much money as possible. To That's buy what people were doing. I saw crazy, there's this this terrible like Reddit subreddit yeah. where like there'll be like people that have they ask for like financial advice and like you ever sometimes you see screenshots like they're really bad. They're really bad. And the guy's like, you know, I I put up my stock portfolio at the highs, like to to use it as collateral to borrow money to purchase a home, and now the stocks are all down a lot. Like, can I like get out of it or anything? And no, they were like, those you know, are bad. Like, you're in trouble. Um, but but I'm saying back that, to your point, that though, attitude mm -hmm. could return, and that would cause a lot more inflation too. I mean, that's an extreme example, but like in general, I mean, meme stocks are the best performing stocks this year. The 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 uh, GS custom basket that I look at, I think, is up 100. percent GS has a meme stock basket. Oh, absolutely, love that. Love that. Absolutely. Uh, the, wow. So, but anyway, yeah. I think you bring up an important point, which is right. Monetary policy is meant to address, like, the needs of the everyday person, right? The reason why Powell feels so compelled to hike rates by 550 basis points in such short order is because the average person, like, their ability to consume is has been constantly getting eroded. Now, the question is, is that level of erosion getting to acceptable levels? Right. Right? And when you look at headline numbers, they actually look okay. Right. But there's just still perpetually the risk of, of reacceleration. Yes. Now, I think it brings us to just uh, another point, which I think is worth you know noting, is that like households are actually still OK. Right. If you look at like credit card delinquency data, it hasn't shot up that much 
right? Household savings, you know, while you know they've come down a lot and are expected to decline, like you still see a a, a, a lot of spending, right? And so, um, you know, some of it might be on credit, etc. But there's still momentum right. behind a lot of the, the the consumer and and the average you know person, um, and so like. You know, I'm still in the camp that like you haven't really addressed inflation because those people still have jobs and wages are still going up at four plus percent and asset prices are, are, are still going up. And while there are signs that, you know, they're, they're weakening things right. here and there, like so now they've uh, feels they, like mm-hmm. they just like lower the magnitude that they're increasing each time. But it, to your point, you and say, the frequency, that's the other so important what have they part. been doing now? Every other one. Mm-hmm. So they raised what, what, what's the last couple been? So this was 25 bips they raised. They raised. And yes. then the last one they didn't they didn't raise. And then they raised 25 before that. Correct. Did they did they not raise before that or have they? No, or, they were raising that's when every they went 50, meeting 25, before. Yeah, none, did. then 25. So, yeah, yeah, correct. And so now they, what, what do we think now? They're going to raise through the rest of the year. I mean, essentially, most likely. Um. So I think with the most likely scenario is another hike in November and there's about let's say 10 basis points and, and, priced in. And right they, they take a break here right they they don't do one in August or they don't no do one, one in, in September. August. So none so in August. September. October. November. Uh, and then November. September. Okay. November. Yeah. So you think a pause and then another one in November. Correct. Got it. So another 25 bips on top through the end of the year. Basically, I think the yeah. market thinks there's another 10 basis points left. In so, the I year. see. So they think it's less like, than half. They think less than a 25 bips likelihood, quote unquote. So they're, but, they're, but you they're think the full 25 a, a 40 percent probability, yeah, of a of a hike. Yeah. Um, but then what's really interesting? What's really interesting um, is also just the pricing around cuts, right? And you know when the so basically I saw, I saw this on the panel, right? Like they people, the market is pricing cuts like next year, yeah, next absolutely. year, absolutely. And it's like we're gonna see that we're not gonna see cuts unless there's like economic. Massive economic issue, right? Like if if, I, if the I recession would, appears, there's correct. no reason to cut, right? I'm, I, that's what I think. Yeah, that's right? my that's but my sense. There has to yeah. be a structural like premium or structural discount, however you want to yeah. think about it, because the risk is that when they do cut, they cut like a hundred. You don't yeah. know like the magnitude of the cut, right? Because you know uh, it. Like if we are in a recession, it's a hard landing, and there's some shit happening. Like, dude, they could go two hundred basis points in day. Well, that and takes you back to like neutral. Right. And that's so why that's they brought why it all the way up here. So they have all that flexibility now. Yeah. Correct. And yeah. so it makes it really tricky. I see. Uh, to, to think about. Um, yeah. And so, like, you could look at the curve and be like, wait, terminal rates around, you know, three, 350, whatever that, that, that band is, um, you know, might be too high. <laughs> because if we are going to hit that hard landing and all that, right. like, we're going to be cutting rates. Oh, the corn is going higher. Let's look, go. 24, 29.4. Yeah, 450. But let's talk about the corn real quick before oh, yeah, we break. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, you know, because we had a pretty big, I mean, we. Oh, we, it's time for the corn to go now. It's yeah, and we pulled to the top of the range, like, uh, or a yearly high briefly after what? After BlackRock's announcement about the ETF, like about a. Over the last month. And then we were really just in that tight 30 to 31 range for like weeks. Mm-hmm. Then we had a little bit of a dump over the weekend, last weekend, and got down to what, 29.2-ish? 29? 29 the figure. Or even 28-something actually briefly. Yeah, think, basically right? 29,000 even. So, um, but still we're super low vol. I mean, it's been in this yeah, you know, thing for I, a while. Think, like, what I do we think? What brings us out of this? Fundamentally, like... like the, if this the market is perceiving the Fed as ending their uh, hiking cycle, or this is kind of it, and uh, you know EU just had some really weak data, 
Um, you know, looks like BOJ is not going to go on yield curve control this meeting. Uh, PBOC is easing, etc. And I'm looking at price action in things like silver and gold, and those things are trading really well. Um, and, you know, just broader risk assets, stocks being close to the dead highs of the year. Um, you know, if you think about crypto as a function of risk assets and, you know, uh, debasement hedges, mm -hmm. uh, both of those components would suggest that, that Bitcoin should be doing well here. And then, you know, the other thing to think about are, are just more technical things like how, what is positioning and funding and derivatives positioning look like in, in Bitcoin. And I think positioning is a lot cleaner than where it was a couple yep. of weeks ago in terms of uh, of levered longs at, at the highs. I, I do think that there's been a healthy sort of washout of of sort of weaker hands. Let's yep. put it that way. Yep. Um, and that the path is set for, for a move higher. Uh, make no mistake, I think, you know, if you do believe that an ETF is coming, this asset is not priced for the kind of liquidity <laughs> that, that is coming in. No. It is dramatically mispriced. And if you're telling me that the macro currents are going to be supportive of it, in addition to the fact that you're going to get a, a, a large ETF. by and don't forget, US you books. have the halving is going to happen about, you know, nine months from Correct. now. Correct. And so, Ten um, months. you know, I think dips are there to be bought. Yeah. And uh, upside's there to be owned. That's that easy. Love it. Uh, hey, this is a great one. Absolutely. Uh, I, I love the... the, 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 the that it does feel uh, like easier to do Super Bowl Fed Day now. It's not that uh, everything. It's not just pain. Yeah, I know, right? We know where we're at. Well, oh, that's no, good. more hikes. <laughs> Bimnetta BB, our friend from Galaxy Trading, as always, my friend. Thank you so much. Pleasure. Let's go now to our guest, Adam Zarazinski, CEO of Inca Digital, a digital asset data analytics company. Adam, thank you so much for coming on Galaxy Brains. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's been, uh, I would say it's been a long time in the making, although we've only had this podcast for about a year. Actually, I think this will be our 70 or 71st episode, so a little bit more than a year. Congrats. Um, but yeah, but we've known each other for a decent amount of time, yeah. and I really want, I think our audience will be interested to understand what Inca Digital does. What is a data blockchain data analytics company, what do you guys do? Yeah, yeah, so so we're a little different um, than the blockchain data analytics companies that are typical in the space. Uh, the forensics companies like, you know, Chainalysis, TRM, CypherTrace, yeah, Elliptic, Elliptic yeah. all those companies, yeah. So, um, you know, if I can just kind of generally break down the data that we pull in and then productize, um, first is crypto market data. So we're plugged into about 350 um, centralized exchanges, decentralized exchanges globally. Um, that's category one. Uh, the forensics companies do not collect that data, right? They do not have market data. There are other great companies in the space um, that do. Your friend, of course, Nick Carter um, at Coinmetrics, they've got that data. Coinmetrics and Keiko, Keiko Amber Data. Exactly, all yeah. those companies, yeah. So, right, uh, we, which is also like data analytics, so it's yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. A, it's just a different focus. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, so, um, so, so that data, we run our own nodes, we collect blockchain data too. We also, um, you know, the, the second category of data is what, I, what, what we call technical and blockchain data. So it includes uh, us running our own nodes and collecting that data, right. but also GitHub, uh, GitHub repos, uh, data from the dark web, stuff like that. That's category two, and then category three. And we'll, I know you want to <laughs> okay, go get, get on dark web. Yeah. Um, category three is natural language data, so data from news and social media. Oh, cool. Um, we collect data um, uh, across the open web, um, and then we've got five custom social media connectors now, which I can, I can dive into. So we pull all the data into our system, and then we build tools on top of it. Those can be simple market data tools, right? Like an API of open high, you know, pricing, open high, low, close volume, VWAP, um, 
um, every executed trade across X number of exchanges, and then risk management tools you know, that, that incorporate social media, that incorporate blockchain data, that incorporate market data, all kind of mashed together and then shoved into an API, uh, depending on the use case. Got it. So that's what we do. So, and then what types of, what are, do you have to service the same types of customer groups as like a chain analysis? I mean, let's also yeah, yeah. the baseline here, right? A chain analysis, one of the core things they do, and I'm not, you know, speaking on behalf of the team at chain analysis, but, um, you know, complying with, say, the Bank Secrecy Act, if you're a crypto yeah. financial company, right, you may have to file suspicious activity reports. Yep. You certainly also have to um, comply with sanctions, right? So, yep. so you'll screen your transactions as they come in and out if you're an exchange, for example. See if any of the uh, transactors, the, resen the receiving or sending addresses, appear on like the SDN list, for example. Right, exactly. That's a service that they provide. Yep, right? yep. And and also they'll do risk scoring on like, well, did this thing hit a gambling site or a Tumblr or whatever? Um, so that's a pretty clear set of clients. Are what are your what does your sort of customer base look like? Yeah, for this it's type it's of data? a similar it's a similar customer base customer base. So I, I break it down kind of uh, we're we're B two B only. Um, so we focus on traditional financial institutions that are moving into crypto. Uh, large crypto uh, service providers, right? Uh, the large centralized exchanges, decentralized exchanges, folks like yourselves, right? Um, that are kind of crypto native, but but need B two B data analytics and services, and then government agencies. Um, and we we work so we kind of we work with within those three industries, um, and then but our focus is is not blockchain data, right? So um, the um, um, sanctions is actually a really good example, or like if you if you broaden it out a little bit beyond sanctions to just like scams and frauds and right. people that are like sanctioned and businesses that are sanctioned, right? So our focus is more um, not on the wallet side, but on person names, company names, um, types of scams, um, um, amounts lost, uh, locations, things like that. So, you know, if you kind of, if you think of... Um, if you think of those forensics companies as like a bottom-up approach to data analytics in this space, right, focusing on, on blockchains, we're a top-down. We're focusing on people, companies, and things like that, and then connecting that back to what's happening in crypto. Interesting. It's yeah. like a, it feels like a more investigative approach, the thesis-driven investigative approach to it, right? Figure yeah. out these types of scams, then connect it all together. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I want to talk about some of the types of scams because there was, there was a really interesting story that I think you were quoted in. And yeah. I, I know you guys, uh, and, and you did some work on according to the story, too, but also we've talked, we've chatted about this before. Yep. I'm going to tease the audience by not talking about that just yet. I want to go back to the dark web thing. What types of data are you finding these days? On the Give me like an update on it. It's been a while since I was uh, a dark web researcher myself, which I have been at various times in okay, my, in my past. But yeah. um, I'm not up to like what's happening on the dark web still. Do we still have like alpha bays and like illicit marketplaces? What, what else is happening out there? Yeah, yeah. Um, yes, still illicit mar marketplaces, <laughs> of course. Um, and... Uh, generally speaking, right, what we're looking for is um, money laundering, um, you know, the purchase of precursor materials for weapons of mass destruction. Um, Seems like know, a good thing to prevent. All, yeah. all of those things and the intersection of those things in crypto. Um, um, I can tell you, you know, a couple interesting stories just on um, how things that you might not, might not expect are interconnected are and why it's important to focus on kind of like these disparate data sets and, and bring them together. And I know I'm being a little vague, um, so we can we can like talk about it in more detail. Um, but 
Yes. Yeah. yeah. Can you give, give an example maybe of a dark web investigation that or, or you know, with however much specificity you can? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can give you two. Um, you want, we can talk about pig butchering first if you well, want. Well, that, that was the one that I was yeah, I referencing know. before. Yeah, yeah. There was a, Let's talk about pig butchering. Okay. Why not? It's, it's, it's yeah. such a lovely term. Yeah. Um, it's, first it's of all, the, yeah, what is pig butchering? Okay, so pig butchering is, is the term that um, the scammers use, not us, yeah. right? Nor law enforcement. This is, this is, it's called Chuzupan or something. I'm probably butchering the name. Yeah. Um, but um, that's, what, that's the term that they use. Um, and so I, I, can, I can basically walk you through, let me walk you through from first a product perspective, yeah. um, all the way through what we identified and kind of like what, what, what the news, like what media outlets are saying, and then kind of like what's actually Perfect. happening. Um, okay, so from product perspective first, uh, focusing on that. So uh, we have a tool that's called um, Scam and Fraud API. It is, it's, you know, if you know um, FINRA's broker check, it's, yeah. it's like that for on, frauds. on steroids for crypto, right? <laughs> okay, yeah. Um, so what we do is we, we collect a lot of data across the open web and social media. I'm going to use Twitter as an example. Let's imagine that you, Alex, tweet out something like, um, uh, this guy, Adam Zarazinski, um, uh, enticed me to invest $100,000 worth of Bitcoin uh, into his company called Inca Digital. I think it's a scam company. Um, I sent it you know, three months ago, and he convinced me a 10x return in, in a week, and it's been three months. I think he ran away with my money. Uh, I sent it all to the wallet address ABC123. So that's your tweet. Yeah. Okay. Um, what we essentially do is you can imagine us breaking down that tweet in an API the name of the victim, the name of the scammer, the name of the shell company, if we can geotag any of that, the location of the person or the company, any other outside data that we have, like you know registry information for that company, the amount lost, the wallet address, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So that's the tool. Um, we sell that tool, but then we also use that tool ourselves. We've got an entire kind of like intelligence investigations team that, right. that looks at our data, kind of eats our own dog food, and then spits out reports and stuff like that that I know you want to get into. Um, and... Um, we saw a trend of people essentially complaining that they were getting scammed on dating websites, places like Tinder, um, and uh, started looking into it. And this was a long time ago. This was like two and a half years ago. Uh, what we found is that um, there's a, a scam taking place in the billions of dollars. Um, wow. it's, a, it's a giant uh, transfer of wealth from uh, the U.S. and Europe uh, back to China. Um, uh, for what is known as pig butchering. And it's essentially a scam where, you know, people are kind of um, uh, create relationships with uh, these scammers online, and they're ultimately convinced to um, to invest money in a fake company. So it's is it like, um, what do they call it, uh, like catfishing kind of? Yeah, it's kind of like catfishing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and, but like it's, it's getting fairly sophisticated. Like sometimes they even have like fake websites where like you can like see your account information and how much money you've made, but then ultimately all the money disappears. But it, it starts on a dating site, so you've yep. got like a a man or a woman in the West. Yeah, typically. Get, yeah. Let me give yeah. you let me give you a real example. So yeah, yeah. um, so we had we had a victim um, that was quoted in the news, um, a public school teacher recently divorced out of Troy, Michigan, right? Two kids, um, you know, um, owns uh, has a mortgage out on her home. She meets this guy excuse me, meets this guy online. Uh, they start online dating. She's never met him in person. Uh, she's convinced to invest something small, $2,000. Uh, she does, you know, she like triples her money, right? On like whatever, like, you know, website they show her. Exactly, exactly. And um, uh, then she's convinced to invest more. So then she takes out a second mortgage on her home, invests like, you know, all of her, all of her savings, everything that she's got. She's like 250 
deep. Um, then obviously all the money disappears and, you know, she has, she has no recourse whatsoever. It goes to the FBI. But I mean, the, the scale, the size and scale of the scam is such that, I mean, there's not even much that the FBI can do. Like maybe, maybe they can freeze funds. Right. So, um, that's just that's just one example. How many of these happens. examples are there? Like, I mean, how, how, tens of thousands, wow. tens of thousands of examples, wow. and we estimate like um, over five billion dollars has been lost. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah, a lot of money. And then, and what money. are the mechanics? So, so okay, so we have a relationship, and at some point, I casually, if I'm the pig butcherer, I, so I'm understanding now, you're yeah. luring in this pig, you're fattening them up. That's exactly yeah. So we even, we even have their we have their uh, you know so uh, going to like the natural language data side of the data that we collect. We even have their their training manual. Oh god! Um, and so like, and I, so what, and you like found this on their own like bulletin board type stuff. In yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I can I can share it with whoever's interested. Oh my god! That's watching the show. That's interesting. Uh, um, but I like, would like, there's to see even that. there's even annexes. Like, so there's like you know if you if how you approach this type of person, there's like annex annex like C for like homosexuals, comma elderly thirsty men. Um, and then an entire way of approaching an entire them? way of approaching them. Yeah, all the TTPs. Oh my yep, gosh! Yep, yep. There's a deep deep script. A deep script. It's like a okay. So then, so so you build okay. a relationship. Yeah. Then and then at some point, I introduce. Uh, and what are they typically offering as the investment? What are they saying it is? Is it like in a crypto or is it in so real estate? Like what is it they're suggesting? Yeah, it's, you like, it's like it's like like a head, fake hedge fund or fake. Fund. So it's like an investment investment vehicle. vehicle. Okay. Exactly. And then are they? What are they? What are they telling the victim to send them? So they'll typically walk them through setting up an account. Uh, on a centralized exchange, right? So s most of these people are either completely new to crypto or maybe own crypto, but are not moving kind of beyond like, you know, buying Bitcoin on Coinbase or something right. like that. Um, so they will set up an account or already have an account on, a, on their local centralized somewhere, exchange yeah. somewhere. Um, and then they say, okay, now send that money to this wallet address, right? This is like our so hedge like, funds So like, is it typically address. Bitcoin or? Uh, it starts out as Bitcoin. Yeah. It'll start out as Bitcoin or Ethereum. We can catch, um, uh, based on transaction patterns, we can actually catch it that early. Wow. So we can we can catch it as early as like the, not the first transaction, but we can, we can catch it before it get before these um, these victims get too deep. Um, so yeah, but it's typically uh, Bitcoin to start. They'll send the Bitcoin to a wallet address, and then um, and then from there they chain hop, they exchange hop, and I can right. walk walk through those terms if you. I'm not sure. You no, know no, we, we I think yeah, yeah we, we get aware it. enough. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, it I, well I if chain hopping is just you know swapping from one chain to another either over a bridge or however you want. Yeah, to do exactly. It, but, but they're typically going makes to it difficult obfuscates the 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 chain of custody over time makes it a little harder they think for. Yeah, analytics firms like you to follow. Yeah, well, yeah, that's right. Well, it's it's actually harder for uh, the forensics companies to follow. They'll, yeah. they'll move to Tether and places like that where right. um, where it's like it's it's harder to automatically follow it. We have an not not that no, not that the forensics companies don't have this, but we have an Intel team that that often does this by hand. Yeah, right. So like we're by hand going from Bitcoin to Ethereum to Tron to Tether and and, tra and tracing. You know, like we can back. see the inflow at the same yeah. time that it exited the other one. We yeah. assume that it's the yeah, and then yeah, we yeah. have, and then we have like you know the company names on top of it, and then we'll often even work with exchanges to get okay, like what is you know like here's the company names that we have, the people names that we have, you know, and then it's like some like random preteen in you know Thailand that just so happens to have fifty million dollars worth of crypto associated to their <laughs> name. Um, that's where it ends. Yeah. So five billion dollars, and this is just ongoing. This is it's it's evil catfishing. That results in an investment vehicle scam. Yes, yes. But the catch is so in this. So a lot of what you'll read in the news is 
like the example I give you, right? Like farmer loses half a million dollars to scam, right? Yeah. A public school teacher in Troy, Michigan. Uh, what's, what's not as um, well reported on is that this isn't like, well, now I think it's morphing into a type of scam. Um, like, you know, Nigerian print scam where it's just like people doing it randomly. Yeah. Uh, but for the most part, still, this is not that. This is a well-organized transnational criminal group operating out of China and so border countries. it's not a type of scam. It is an ongoing, specific, major operation. Major operation. It's not just a class of scam at this exactly. point. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah. I think it's moving into class of Yeah, scam. well, other people are probably yes. like, wait a sec, we should yeah, do this. Yeah, we can make a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. 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 So it'll exactly. become a whole. Yeah. But this is, and now, okay, now I'm going to, I don't, is this like a CCP? Is this the Chinese? Is this sanctioned by? I mean, China doesn't like crypto. They're allowing all this crypto to flow into their country into the hands of criminals. Is yeah, that, we can we can get into like, that. What's right? the geopolitical situation here? Yeah, yeah. Like, so like, not that we have anything that's like specifically tied to the CCP. Sure, of course, uh, yeah, but, I don't literally mean. I just mean like, is this the China? I always wonder this. I mean, is this China attacking the West to, to make money, or is this just yes. criminals? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, I mean, like, I, th I think that there are major national security implications for for this. That's, and that's for, the, the smarter would ask it. What yeah. are the national security and geopolitical yeah. implications there, of this? There are, like, yeah. like it exists, right? Yeah. Um, like, I think, I think, like, you know, um, from a, uh, you know, what what the um, CCP says publicly and what's happening in reality are two different things. I find it hard to believe, while we don't have any direct evidence, I find it hard to believe that the CCP is not aware that there are billions of dollars flowing into their country and right on their borders from what we know is a transnational criminal group operating, that, that and they are Chinese, um, that they don't know about that. Yeah. Right? Um, so uh, that's as far as we've gotten. We know that it, we know that the money is flowing ultimately into China. Um, but like anything that's directly related to CCP, no, right, right, you know what right. I mean, and obviously a lot of this goes through Hong Kong too, and we can, you know, we can debate the merits yeah. of, you know, how China uses Hong Kong as an avenue for, you know, yeah, and it's, it's it. I was actually just looking there, the, there was just recently the protest in Israel over this contentious election with right. Netanyahu, yeah, and yeah, I was yeah. thinking back to the Hong Kong protests with all the umbrellas and how, how that, that issue, China has, I, I think since then certainly firmed their grip on Hong Kong um, over time, which yep. is actually made, by the way, the Hong Kong sort of pivot on digital assets more recently quite interesting. Yes. Um, but let's let's talk more about like the geopolitical stuff, because I know um, Inca has you talk, talked about, for example, like the precursor materials to weapons of mass destruction. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, you know, again, since you're you guys do some forensics, but it's it's sort of a different service. But you also said you have some, you know, government agencies that are clients. Yeah. We know that I, I, I once pulled from the whatever it is, the vendor registry the U.S. government publishes who they spend money on. And, and they, they've spent, yeah, yeah, and they've spent money on, on the forensics companies for years. Right. It makes yep, sense. Yep. IRS does it. Right. Um, FBI. I mean, I, even the um, the Border Patrol, I think, was paying money on. on. So what like are the geopolitical implications for a nation state, the national security implications, like broadly define that set for me um, in cryptocurrency? Like what 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 are nation states looking at? What what is the U.S. looking at? I don't know, like to, to the extent you can describe to me what because I'm pretty sure the U.S. doesn't care that much. Again, at like the federal government level, most of on the national security side, merely like our exchanges conduct them like proper KYC. Like parts of the government obviously care. FinCEN yeah. cares, right? I right. mean, but like what are the real national security level implications of cryptocurrencies? Yeah, yeah. So let me let me answer a it's slightly a big question. Yeah. No, no, yeah, no, it's okay. Yeah. yeah. Let me answer a slightly different question Perfect. first. And then I'll answer like I'll give you a couple like 
use case examples, okay, right? Cool. So like uh, first from like a high level, what Inca does and cares about is providing data and services to not just government agencies, right, but to um, all three of those different industries, sectors that we talked about, right, providing the same data. And that can be national security related stuff like, you know, KYC or, you know, what are the North Koreans doing? What are, you know, right. what are the Chinese doing? Where are we laundering? Where are they laundering money, et cetera? It can also be just be things like market data analytics, like how do we get closer to a Bitcoin ETF from across and, and what what data and services can Inca provide to, for us as a community to get there, right? Cross market surveillance, stuff like this. But then those same cross market surveillance tools can be used you know, tweaked and then used for other purposes to identify money laundering, right? To build, um, to build models to identify TTPs, um, you know, uh, to to identify particular types of trafficking. Okay, so with the outset, that's what we do, um, and and so I think you know I think that there's there's a couple um, big you know big national security implications and. Um, examples of scams and frauds and things like that are are only one. Um, there's 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 a, there's a lot happening. So like we can talk about it, you know and I, the way that the United States operates and the way that the West operates oftentimes is different than the way um, for better or worse. I'm not I'm not placing a, a value judgment on the way that some of our near peers operate. So so um, I'll give you I'll give you two examples and kind of the intersection of these things. So we we uh, we ran an operation with a um, a DoD partner, where we were looking at um, something at the at the outset looks nonsensical. We were looking at illegal fisheries in South America. Okay, um, why does the DoD care about illegal fisheries in South America? Why and what nexus does that have to crypto? Right. So what's happening is there are there are basically um, uh, Chinese. Uh, multitudes of Chinese fishing vessels off the ports, major port cities in South America. And they're fishing for like, you know, nearly extinct animals there. And then they catch them and then they, you know, make whatever food they make from them and then and then sell them to um, to uh, folks in these port cities. Right. Um, why was Inca involved in this and what is the nexus to crypto? Well, um, it just so happens that those same fishing vessels that are used to cap, you know, to catch like, you know, nearly extinct seahorses or whatever, um, <laughs> also are used to traf traffic people. Oh wow! And also are used to traffic precursor drugs, um, um, for like fentanyl, for fentanyl trade and stuff. Yeah, yeah, that are ultimately routed up into the United States, right? And it's all done in crypto, and increasingly it's done with the digital yuan. So you can go really yes. So you can go to port cities in, let's say, Ecuador, and uh, and trade uh, and buy things using the digital yuan right now. It's wow. happening right now. Wow. Yes. Yeah. Are, are people buying anything in those? Like, for, did you see like legitimate uses of the digital yuan? Then. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. But um, but these guys are also using also using it. it. So that's how it's yeah. flowing in. The digital yuan is primarily flowing in through yep. this trade. And and it's still and it's still largely like. Um, um, uh, Chinese mean. Chinese communities right, right. in in those port cities, right? But it's it's flowing over into the into yeah. like the local population Goodness too. Gracious. So so um, that's now that's one example of it. Rare CBDC near actually seahorses. Adam, I'm gonna have nightmares about this. <laughs> yes, these poor seahorses. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Envi 
<laughs> destroying the environment. Uh, <laughs> yeah. um, no, so uh, that's interesting. That's so, one. Yeah, so so that's one example, right? So I think I think from a national. Here's here's my opinion on national national security uh, writ large, and uh, my interest in particular is. Um, Russia and China, and then yeah. uh, those two vis-a-vis -vis North Korea as well, right? Those, those three, so those three total. Um, so I think if you, you kind of separate it out into like three categories, you have um, this kind of like quasi-illegal, but quasi, you know, arguably government-backed operations like pig butchering, right. like illegal fisheries, things what like that. What about like Lazarus Group, does that fit in there? Lazarus Group, yeah. exactly. So those those types of things. And you know, how Lazar how does Lazarus Group uh, move their crypto to fiat? It's through China Chinese OTC for the most part, yeah. right? So, okay, so that's kind of like category one, illegal stuff, yeah. right? Um, category two is like um, the digital yuan and CBDCs, and we can talk about, you know, how those are used globally and the Chinese setting up, um, you know, bilateral agreements globally. So we've got that. Category three, and actually the one that I'm, I'm most worried about, is um, is how much liquidity is offshore, um, how much of that liquidity is in Hong Kong, and Chinese control of that liquidity ultimately, um, which you know goes back to what obviously what the United States is doing and and our I um, mean our regulatory approach to the crypto our regulatory yeah. approach to crypto and again you know we're obviously obviously ultimately a neutral data provider right so it's not that I have specific policy recommendations aside from saying that we need to move liquidity back to the United States. I see. So when yeah. you say you're most concerned about, you mean for like American competitiveness? American competitiveness. Yeah. yeah. The innovation needs to be here. I mean, obviously all the large liquidity providers, you know this better than me, right? They're moving offshore. They're, you know, they're closing the doors on crypto completely, at least for the time being. Um, that needs to move back onshore uh, because, you know, right now of the centralized exchanges, only three of the top 15 exchanges by spot and derivatives volume are not Chinese founded in Hong Kong. Wow. That to me, that's a problem, you know? Yeah. And, and it also can amplify the first two problems too. Exactly. Right? Yes, so exactly. It's not just yep. that we're, um, wow, that's, that's a... I'm still like I'm still a little shook by the seahorses, the rare seahorses. Yeah, I didn't know this poor yeah. thing. They're I thought they were cute. People eat seahorses. All right, I'm sorry. Well, ultimately, <laughs> ultimately, ultimately, they're going to die anyway. Uh, well, from from our <laughs> everything dies. Uh, <laughs> Jokes. Okay. I was joking. Um, let's talk about the concept. Like this has been fascinating. You guys work on some really interesting stuff. Yeah. Um, and. Um, I think there are serious implications for American competitiveness, as, as I think many people in, interested in, in Bitcoin and, and cryptocurrencies do. Yep. Um, let's talk a little bit about blockchain forensic, the ethos, because I know a lot of people, um, I know a lot of people personally who really don't like companies like Inca or Chainalysis. They yep. think they think it's somehow um, anathema to the cypherpunk ethos that underpins Bitcoin. Yeah. That essentially, you know, and, and I, I, I don't hear that like Inca's not... Even Chainalysis isn't even often the, the one that people are really upset about right now is this Arkham intelligence yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, that one's that's that's actually pretty accelerationist what they're doing. It's like, right, trying I, to do. It's a doxing marketplace. It's yeah. like a little different than what yeah, you yeah, guys yeah. do. Yes, but like, how, how do how do you think about that? I mean, I know you're a proponent, and and we've heard the leadership at, of Chainalysis and Elliptic many times in Congress and otherwise. Also, you know, I think passionately talk about how they believe in the future of cryptocurrencies. How do you think about, how do you square the your, your belief and passion for cryptocurrencies with um, the intelligence side of it and, and the criticism that some levy against a company like Yeah, Amazon? yeah, yeah. Um, so it's, you know, 
like maybe this is a little quippy, but I'm not anti-crypto, right? I'm just like anti-stealing people's money, yeah. right? I'm not anti-crypto. I'm just anti-centralized exchange uh, committing massive amounts of fraud and setting crypto back a decade. Yeah. I'm not anti-crypto. I'm just anti-North Korea uh, hacking into uh, a barely secured video game and stealing $600 million worth of crypto to fund their nuclear proliferation efforts, right? I think... Um, I think like our work is necessary yeah. in order to like mature and grow crypto globally, right? And and like I said, so like we do that, but we're also working on data analytics to uh, to help help bolster an ETF here in the United States, which I think everybody is for, at least for the most part, right? Yeah. Um, so I, I have a, I have a couple other points. Um, the second is so like if you go on our website. Um, you'll see some reports, which I know, I know that you've seen, right, where we call out specific exchanges, specific actors on things that they do, uh, things that we have seen. With every single one of those reports, we always reach out to the subject subjects of those reports first. And in, in some cases, it's me literally begging them to, like, take a phone call, right? Like, where I reach out to an exchange, and I'm like, hey, uh, we see that you're providing services to sanctioned Russian banks. Here's the data. Can we talk? Now, obviously, like a little bit of this is like, I, I want to sell them services. Right. But like, honestly, if they just said like, okay, we're not going to buy any of your shit, I, Inca, but you know. I see what happens. So like you're saying, guys, FYI, like you need help like preventing this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes they say, no, we're good. No, oh, no, not right. sometimes. I mean, it's like most of the, most of the time they don't even respond. I'm to saying they're email. well aware. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And they're like, no, we're cool. Right. Then I'm like, okay, well, uh, I guess I'm going public with it then. Because I guess you're you criminals, know. basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so yeah. so I think there's that. Yeah. Uh, well, there is that. And then and then the other thing I would say is like, um, you know, in terms of like ethos, I think it's a little honestly naive to think that um, you, you like that all of this, you know, the the approach is openness. Right. And it's naive to think that that is not going to be used for intelligence, for ferreting out bad behavior. And I think that the ask should be not that it doesn't happen, but that um, it's done in a responsible and ethical way and in an open way. We're the ones that are doing it right. We are selling this data to the government. We also sell this data openly, the majority of it, to anybody else that wants to buy it. Right. Right. Um, and uh, we do it openly, right? Like I'm sitting here right. on your podcast right, right. talking you're, about you're it. Not a, you're not a secret spy agency. It's a commercial business using publicly available, mostly publicly available information, right? Yep. It's it's an analytics. It's it's in, it's open source intelligence analytics. Yes. Is it OSINT? It is OSINT. Yeah. It's, it's OSINT. Uh, uh, financial OSINT. Financial OSINT. I like it. Yeah. Because yeah. um, I, I, I just as an – now I'm just getting geeky. But like Imint is one of my favorites. One of the least sounding but like image intelligence. I used to yeah. spend hours and hours and hours Oh, yeah, like, uh, Google like Walmart, Walmart parking, lo parking lot information. So I'm not stuff. good at this. But, yes, you can look at like the amount of oil tankers, right? Mm -hmm. Hedge funds do this stuff all like yeah, crazy. Yeah, yeah. Yes, the amount of uh, cars parked out of Walmart like during Christmas can yeah. give you an idea of like – what the, uh, the you know spending is going to look like, but what I like to do is, and I actually have somewhere a Google Earth file, like which I know like could seem a little sketchy, um, 
to a three-letter agency is just look at like military bases everywhere, not not in the yeah. U.S. I spent a whole bunch of time identifying a whole bunch in Iran just for fun, yeah. um, because you can see airstrips. You really can't cover these up. Like they're airstrips. Yeah. There was a hilarious one. I'm really going off a tangent. No, here, no, but there's a hilarious one in North Korea I found where they they try to make it look like um, like in the apron next to a, an airfield, an airstrip. There's um, either hangers or sometimes there's just these little roads where you just park a plane, right? Like, and they try to make them look like little houses. And I'm like, dude, I can see there's a plane under there. Um, anyway, <laughs> like the wings are sticking out of this of this house. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, no, but it, this is, but it's a, it's a, it's a similar good that, example. Th- those yes. pictures are there. Yeah. I can see them. It's not my fault for yeah. looking at them. Well, dude, like, um, we had one. This this is an old one, but when um, when Venezuela uh, built their um, um, their like oil backed coin, what was the name of it? Uh, the Petro. Uh, the Petro, yes. The Petro. So when they when they built that and they built some infrastructure around it, yeah. right, everybody rightfully kind of like laughed at like how bungled the launch was and everything. Um, um, and we released a report about how it was the Russians that were helping them out. Um, and this this like got a lot of people in, in crypto and also in, in, in the DOD shook. Yeah. Right. Like why? How And how did we find it? Uh, there's pictures of Russians with Maduro, like, uh, um, you know, literally like shaking hands on Twitter, talking about the fact that they're doing this, right? It's like, it's right there. There's right. images of it and right. we can like identify all the people, you know what I mean? So, yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of information out there and you're right. I, I think, I think I agree that it, look one in one way, a public blockchain is a public blockchain. Um, and the information is public. Now the analysis it's not right. We talk about like pseudonym, pseudonymity, pseudonymity yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, versus, right, my name's not on the Bitcoin blockchain unless nope. I put it there. I can put it there. You can inscribe it, for example. My yep. photo is on there. I inscribed it. Inscription 10888 is my Twitter avatar. It's nearly sub 10,000 inscription. Anyway, point being, <laughs> but there is a lot of information. There's so much information. And other blockchains yes. like Ethereum, there's even more information. Yep. Um, and it's... Someone's going to use it. It's and it may and and, and it and you you're saying you're trying to use it for good, right? You're trying for to good. stop crime, stop scams, stop people buying you know fissile material or or fentanyl. Products. That's right. Yeah. Among other things, among, right? right? Among also, like I said, providing cross market surveillance. You know, just well, to, that's the other thing, right? Also, right. like, hey, I I need intelligence on the market because I'm a trader, an investor, a, right. a business, whatever. So yeah, and then you can then you can combine those yeah. types of data sets together, and you know we can. That you know, that's the key piece, right? You can you can look at you know centralized exchange market data and see, okay, here's every executed trade that's happening, um, and it looks like, you know, we we know from you know our blockchain analytics, or we know from you know what people are talking about on the dark web that the this money went here and they're trading this exact amount every hour on the hour um, for a week straight, and then they go you know they go quiet or yep. whatever it is, yeah, so. All right, so we, we've, we're yeah. almost at the end here. Yeah. Before we wrap, uh, what are you most excited about for Inca or for the crypto markets? Like, what's what's right on your sort of near-term horizon that's getting you, uh, you know, hyped about about your day-to-day? Uh, that's a good question. <laughs> um, I think, you know, I'll answer from like a really broad perspective. I think that we're on the precipice of another like crypto bull run. A lot of market activity, like it's going to happen soon, um, and I think we're just going to see a lot of changes to the ecosystem generally. And I'm just excited to be a part of it. Yeah. Honestly, me yeah. too. Yeah, Adam Zarazinski, CEO of Inca Digital. Thank you so much for coming on. Galaxy Thanks, Brands man. I appreciate the time. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks, everybody. 
that's it for this episode of Galaxy Brands. Thanks to our guest, Adam Zarazinski, CEO of Inca Digital, and our friend, Bim Netabibi from Galaxy Trading, as always. Great conversation. Really enjoyed it. I hope you did, too. And I hope you have a safe and happy weekend. We'll catch you next week. Thanks for listening to Galaxy Brains, the weekly podcast from Galaxy Research. If you enjoy the show, please like, rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. To follow Galaxy Research, sign up for our weekly newsletter at gdr.email, read our content at galaxy.com research, and follow us on Twitter at glxyresearch. See you next week.